what's different about the Joey Bag of Donuts, Joe, Joe Birbiglia character yeah. in the specials and stuff, and you in real life? Yeah. Um, and what's, what's, this, what's real and what's not real? I mean, look, we all like free stuff. <laughs> right? Yes. Welcome back to Working It Out. That is the voice of my brother, Joseph Birbiglia. This is a very special episode. It, it sounds like two people who are one person talking to themselves. That's what we, this is a re-air from uh, uh, last year. And people love the episode. It's a fun episode. It's, uh, it's a real peek inside process because Joe and I have been working together for, you know, 15, 20 years. We collaborate on writing and, and producing and all this stuff together. So it really, and it really is our true dynamic. Like it's not, <laughs> I don't feel like we're putting on a special face for it. Um, so if you missed this one, I think you're going to love it. Um, one thing we wanted to actually plug, usually this would be the working it out for a, a cause section. But um, in recent weeks, Joe has been working uh, to help relaunch the comedy studio that's in Harvard Square. It's actually one of the places I got my start. Um, and a lot of people got their start. You know, uh, uh, Gary Goldman, Colin Jost, Sam Jay, you know, Alex Edelman, just many folks who've been on this podcast. And they're, they're doing a GoFundMe. One of the things about the GoFundMe, and if you, if you look it up, just building the comedy studio. Um, you know, like a lot of clubs, they were hurt in the pandemic and, and they sort of lost their space and this and that. And it's it's rough. It's a challenging uh, field to be in. And they, they're just like a great, it's a great club because it's a, they, they've launched a lot of great original comedians since 1996. And, uh, and so we're just trying to help keep that going. Uh, you know, if you can go over and give 10 bucks, 20 bucks to building the comedy studio, all of the comments seem to be jokes. <laughs> the quote-unquote words of support in the GoFundMe are all... <laughs> Someone goes, I found 50 bucks in Joe Biden's garage. Now it's yours. And it's like, oh, okay. I guess we're, we're doing jokes here in the, in the words of support section. Um, speaking of comedy clubs, I, I'm actually working out new material, all new material in Miami, Florida, uh, in April, in uh, Indianapolis, at Helium in May, and at Comedy on State in Madison in June. It's all on Burbigs.com. Of course, I'm finishing up the Mike Burbiglia Live tour, which started in 2018 uh, in Mesa, Arizona, March 16th. Salt Lake City, March 17th. As a matter of fact, Joe Burbiglia is going to be in Salt Lake City with me. Is it coincidentally because it's the, uh, a bastion of uh, skiing and uh, fun times in March? I don't know. You be the judge, I would say. Yeah. that's. I think that's why Joe is coming along. Um, also, stay tuned for uh, some overseas uh, tour announcements because there's some stuff coming. Um, oh, the way to find out about all that is joining the mailing list um, on burbigs.com. Just sign up for the email list. As those, You will be the first to know. Um, and enjoy my conversation with the great Joseph Burbiglia. I think the burning question everyone wants to know is, are you going to steal all my money like Dan Cook's brother? Uh, it is unfortunate that other people in my role um, have, you know, have have crashed and burned, let's say. Yeah. Such as that. It's criminal. Um, it's criminal. It, if yeah. People want to dig into that. And I feel bad for Dan right. that this happened. Right. I'm so sorry, Dan, if you're hearing this. Awful story. Yeah. He worked with his brother all these years. Brother stole like... I want to say millions of dollars right. and then ended up in jail. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like your worst nightmare because it's your brother. I understand, yes. <laughs> I understand you're speaking. <laughs> you're speaking on behalf of, well, fact, of the brother society. It was our father who was uh, very nervous about us working together yes. because of family and business. But uh, yeah, no, I've been with you since 2006. So, uh, so far, so good. I, I was thinking about today. It's the longest job I've ever had in my life. So just to bring people up to speed, like Joe and I have this really unique relationship uh, in the sense that we're brothers. And then Joe introduced me to comedy when I was very young. I mean, seventh and eighth grade, you were yeah. writing parody issues of your comedy newspaper. You, I was sort of looking over your shoulder and I was 
intrigued because you were intrigued. Yeah. And then uh, and then I went on to write parody issues of my high school newspaper. And then when I was in high school, you were in college writing at Middlebury. You were writing like what was called the Krampus, which is a parody of the campus newspaper. Yeah, it and it was like, very popular. And the improv group there was very popular. It was like, oh yeah, it had Jason Manzukis and Jessica Sinclair. And oh, a very talented group. I wasn't. I mean, I wasn't in that group. No, I know, but I mean, yeah. your college had a lot of talented a fertile, people. A it was territory. a small school. Yep, fertile ground for uh, comedy talent. And then the other person, all star from your school, is Rodney Rothman. That's right. Yeah, and he was in. I want to say Otter Nonsense. The the, the improv absolutely group. yeah. Yeah, with those with that crew, um, and then Jeff Bouchelle was a comedy yeah, writer. My good friend ran on to write a bunch of uh, films and TV. Mm-hmm. He was working with you at your parody newspaper. Yes, and that became like a huge part of your college life. It really was. Yeah. And then when I went to college, I joined the improv group. So we had this sort of like similar trajectory. And then when I got out of college, I would say like the thing that's different between you and I, we're both comedy writers, but the thing the difference, I, I, I always describe it as I have a little more delusion, a little bit more like fearlessness in relation to being like, you know, yes. I'm just going to ask this person if I can write comedy for them or whatever. Yes, absolutely. I'm definitely much more practical <laughs> and is fair to say. And, and, you're, and obviously you're the performer, right? I never, right. I, I never was bitten by a performing bug or really felt the need to be on stage. right. And then when you got out of school, you had so many near near guests. Oh my gosh, so painful! A comedy writing career. Yeah, like you applied to Conan, you almost got right. it. You came in like, third. You got a lot of the. I've, I've heard so many stories like this over the years. Like you got a lot of the. Hey man, we'd love to hire you, but right now we're looking for someone who's X Y Z, and like that was you. Very painful. I had like a lot of gigs. I had some. I had some exciting things and some near misses. Um, one very notably uh, was John Stewart was just starting at the Daily Show, yeah. But they, and they were switching their their executive producer, and I did a writing submission, and somehow I got in with their executive producer's assistant, and I remember she texted, emailed me, and said, "Madeline Smithberg is reading your submission. This is the executive producer is <laughs> reading so your funny. submission for tonight's show <laughs> and laughing hysterically." Uh, on the Daily Show, and I'm just like, oh my god, oh my it's god. happening. This is like 2001 or something. Yeah, right when, uh, right about then, it was must. Yeah, maybe pre-9-11, maybe 2000, John oh Stewart gosh. came in. Yeah. And I was like, it's all happening. I'm going to be right in The Daily Show. So and, devastating. Uh, it just didn't happen. And, uh, you know. You also had this weird in-between thing, I remember. Yes. I don't know if you're comfortable talking about this. But yes. Where you were, like, working at The Daily Show either as, like, an assistant. Oh, or I was like, a PA. PA. Yeah. And then you would get looped in to, like, pitch ideas. I know. To, with writers, and then they would kind of be like, and then you'd be rolling, you'd be like, oh, this is going well. I know. And then someone would come in and be like, actually, get out of here. Like, yes. We don't want you here pitching ideas. I was, well, what had happened is I tried to be the writer's assistant. <laughs> yes. Put on the record, and they're like, oh, we had to hire another P, uh, person who has been a writer's assistant, but we'll make you a PA. Yeah. But at the time, and even to this day, even though I'm more practical than you, you, you know, I'm not always super organized, so I was not a great PA. Right. But as the PAs were invited to creative pitch meetings, and I was pitching in my first week things that didn't get filmed but were being considered. Yeah. And so then you get pulled aside. It's a lot of sharp elbows in television, in advertising, <laughs> in entertainment. I like that term. Right? And you get, sure. And you get pulled over and they say, you know, you're not really a production assistant. <laughs> and I was like, I know I'm not a production assistant. Oh, my gosh. I know. Will you make this, me a writer already? Oh, my god! So it happens. Yeah. That's so tough. And then the other one was yeah. with The Onion. So That's like, a fun one. Yeah, so you pitched, you were pitching to The Onion. This was before the, honestly, this is before The Onion blew up. Correct. Like the Onion was in Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah. They were like a cult favorite yeah. fake newspaper, parody newspaper. Yeah, people who knew comedy knew them. Yes. It was like one of those, if you know it, you know it kind of things. Yeah. And you were one of the people who was like, well, I'm going to just try to go to them. So you were pitching exactly. stuff to them. And not only, yeah, I, I really kind of took a cue from you and, and really, it's sort of a fake it till you make it. I uh, submitted headlines, sold them a headline for $20 that $20. was published. Wow. And I was like, oh, this is my only lead. In entertainment. Yeah. So I have a friend who's at uh, the University of Wisconsin. I am going to come up with a reason why I have to go see her and visit yep. her, this random friend Classic from high school. Classic Mike Birbiglia move. 
<laughs> I'm going to take a fly to Chicago, take yeah. a bus to Madison, tell these people, you know what, guys? I'm going to be in town. Would it be okay if I come by the office? Yeah, it was what I did with Jim Gaffigan, almost identical. Right, you got to yeah. do these things. And I end up meeting just the most talented writers at the, uh, the Onion. Okay. I find myself in a writer's room, you know, with Todd Hansen, Carol Cole, Maria <laughs> Schneider, oh my uh, John Krusen, and these guys, and they're letting me pitch, and we're pitching. It's just absolutely fantastic. And you're like 23 years old. Yeah, I think so, maybe 24. That's it, unbelievable. it was a dream. It was really yeah. fantastic. And I don't know, it was, I, you know what? I will say, and I think it's useful for, for this format, forum, is listening to these guys pitch their ideas, their ideas were terrible. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, not all of them. Right. But they, like, they were panning for gold. And there was yeah. a super supportive group. Because you read The Onion, and it's so polished and perfect. Yes. And you're like, you don't realize it comes from a place of, like, half-baked ideas yeah. and terrible ideas. And then as they pan for gold and, like, help each other dunk, and, like, you're, you realize it all comes together. It's just absolutely amazing. Yeah, that was there's a there's a famous This American Life episode that people should listen to if they're interested in this kind of writers room concept where they yeah. go into the writers room of the Onion, yeah, and they record like a few hours of it, yeah, and you can hear some of the stuff's gold and some of it's not a lot. I mean, most of it's not, yeah, and just how much stuff they go through yes. to get to like five headlines, right? That are just brilliant. Yeah, what was the you got one in right? What yes. was the one that you got in? What so was it? my headline. Um, which I think is in the Smithsonian now, is, uh, <laughs> no, it was um, Taco Bell combines five ingredients in a new way. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's very funny. Thank you. And so that was so exciting. Simple, simple You know, to get that acceptance email. Hey, yeah. Joe, we looked through your, your ideas yeah. and um, we're publishing this. Send us your, w, your 1099, we're going to send you 20 bucks. Yeah. It was very exciting, yeah. So then you took a more stable job still in, Creative, but in the ad, ad ad agency world. Yeah, I think what gets frustrating for a lot of creatives, like myself at that time, or and at any time, is you look at New York City. You want a writing job at a, at a late night show, and there's 32 jobs. Yeah, there's in the 32 city. jobs. Yeah, and yeah, if you yeah. don't have one, you know, you still have to pay the bills, and so you want to. So my uh, not mantra, but my thinking was, I want to be using my brain creatively. Right. And how do I do that? And and so I went the advertising route. Yeah, no, that's that. I feel like that was a lot of my goal early on too. Was just sort of like <laughs> before wanting to do create comedy. I was like, I just want to use my brain. That's right. We all have these brains, right? And if you have a comedically sensibility brain, you're right. like, I'd like to use this somehow. That's right. How can yeah? How can I put this to work? And yeah, yeah. yeah. And so advertising does that for a lot of people, but it's also soul sucking because it's like, like at the end of the day, what are you selling? You don't have to name it, but what are you selling? It was challenging. I mean, I was thinking today how uh, one of my assignments, I mean, just to give you an idea, and it's so well-funded, right? It's like, is we need a, um, one of the companies needed, we had a new drug we were promoting, they needed a new tagline. Yeah. And it needed to be a three-word tagline, and two of the words of the tagline were predetermined were multi-symptom relief. <laughs> it's like, Joe, I want you to sit in that office for eight hours. Two words are multi-symptom relief. What's the other word? And we, we got to bill all those hours to this pharmaceutical company. And you're just like, is this really my life? I think this that's, is wild. that's the title of the, <laughs> the episode. What? Multi-symptom relief. <laughs> Joe Berbiglia is multi-symptom relief. Oh, my God. So... As you're living this sort of yes. advertising existence um, in New York City, I moved to New York, I become a comedian. Yeah. At a certain point, I convince you, yes. hey, why don't you just come work with me full time? Yes. And that was that was like a little bit slow going because we weren't making a lot of money. <laughs> so then it was like, well, at a certain point, yes. I, you know, I got hired to do like sort of like a, a local internet uh, TV ad campaign. Correct. And that was like enough money that I was like, I could afford to pay you for a year. Correct. If you quit your job, I can pay you for a year, I think is what I said. Yeah. And then uh, and then you had to get that past Congress. You had to, uh, yeah. You had to bring it to the Senate. You needed a serious sign-off. <laughs> you but, brought uh, it to the you know, House of Representatives. To my wife's credit, she's, you know, she knew I was in the wrong place, you know? <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, and it was sort of like, you know, you're in your early 30s. It's like, now or never. So then we basically, our process, I would describe it this way, and maybe you describe it a different way. Yes. I describe it as, I have, I, I think of myself as sort of someone who creates things 
uh, from nothing. Yes. And then a lot of times what I'll do is I'll, I'll call you and go, so I have the structure of this thing. Mm-hmm. And the beginning is this and the end <laughs> is this. And I really need to, I, like, for example, with the new one, the last special. Yeah. Like, I have this thing. I think that we should open on a discussion of the couch. Sure. And, and what it symbolizes. Right. And I'll call you, and and you'll and and you and I, and sometimes Peter, who works on the show uh, at that time, I think it was Greg Doris, will uh, work on like what are a hundred? It's not dissimilar to the onion thing. Correct. Like what are a hundred jokes about a couch? Yes. Yeah. And you're really good at writing those kinds of jokes. Like you, thank you. You have a you have a real brain for like. I always quote you on the show as saying, like, you describe comedy writing as letting your brain go for a walk. That's right, yeah. How do you describe our process or think about our process? Well, I think that's a good description of the process. Um, I often say that it's like I'm in a band. (laughs) Yes, yes, this is like a band. And Mike is the lead singer of the band, and he's the... Um, writes songs, yeah, but then needs support and like filling them, filling them out, and you know, and you know, try to help you dunk, you know, with the uh, to mix metaphors, if I could. I think the end would be, yeah, yeah, it would be like to finish the album. Yeah, I think band metaphor. Yeah, I'm like the lead singer, lyricist, mm-hmm. and then, but then ultimately, you know, it takes this group of people, yeah, to like sort of. You know, have a group mind and and, yeah. and discuss like, what could this song be? Yeah, what, to really juice it. Yeah, where where yeah. is how good this, could it be? Yeah, where is this song? Where is it losing people? You know, <laughs> I, well, I mean, yeah. that, or at least that's the comedy version of it. Yeah, and we get very, uh, um, well, yeah, we get very granular, and we give you know, not to give away too many secrets, but you, you know, you rank jokes and you score them. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, but then you know. We've learned a lot. Over, I always go back to this article that um, Jerry Seinfeld, they wrote about Jerry Seinfeld in the Times where, about his joke writing process and how he was writing loose leaf papers and how he works on a document. And I just, I think I called you up. I was like, Jerry Seinfeld does this exact same thing. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, it's not magic. It's like, this is a thing. This is how it works. And, you know, we're just, you know, we're doing it right. It was kind of nice and affirming, but it's, it's not magic. What do you like about writing jokes? Oh, what I like about writing jokes is amusing myself. <laughs> that's funny, yes. No, I think that's so key. Yeah. Well, I think one of the keys is you have to be making yourself laugh. Yes. When do you get most frustrated as a comedy writer? Like in being part of like the band, oh, yeah. so to speak. Like if you feel like, no, that joke is hilarious. You didn't use that joke. Why wouldn't you? You ever feel like, do you ever hold on to that stuff? Sometimes I get annoyed or I'll think, I'll give it another shot. Give, try, you know, maybe you said it in the incorrect way. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, I think you give things a day in court. I think you're pretty good about that. One thing I've noticed working with you, and I think it's, a, it's good for all sorts of business, <laughs> is you got to find the boss like in the right headspace. Yeah, like, it's, it's like, don't go, like if I know I have an amazing joke, right? I'm not going to give it to you in the meeting yeah. first because you're cold. Yeah, and I can I can feel you like sort of like sort of warming up to other things. Yeah, and I get it sort that. of breaks you down, and then boom, you hit with that, and you, yeah. you hit heights. So it's a little secret I've been doing for years. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite thing we made? That we've made? Yeah. Gosh. I know. I people ask me this sometimes. I, I have a hard time saying. I think, yeah, maybe the height was. Uh, thank God for jokes and working on that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I have this funny thing with you. I, I don't know if you realize it, where when you do a show, it's not a pet peeve or anything. It's actually it kind of works out for the best. When you when I watch your show and I see, like a joke that I wrote, right? Yeah. And <laughs> how do I say this? My when I watch you perform and I'll see like the best jokes that I've written in the show are real high points. Yeah. They often, not often, but on occasion have been real heights of the show and really high. Sure. I've helped you hit real high notes. Yeah. But the reason is for my jokes to make it into the show, they have to be so much better than your your jokes. 
They yeah. have, you know. Maybe. I can make a counter to that, but go ahead. No, but so my experience has been for my jokes to be in the show, when I write a joke that's equal to your joke, your joke would go. Because it's your voice. It's your right, show. Right, 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 you're the right. guy delivering the, right. the pizza. Um, so it's completely up to you. So as a result, what I find, ultimately do get in the show tends to be strong. It's funny because the counter to that, and I don't disagree with that, that you see it that way, but um, <laughs> the, uh, is for me, to, I actually give your jokes more of a benefit of the doubt when you mm. pitch them to me than my own jokes. Mm. So I try to actually offset that, knowing that that would be the natural inclination. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I appreciate I'm that. actually hyper aware of that. Okay. Um, I always try to like, like when you pitch jokes, I always try to say them like two or three times out loud and phrase them different ways that yes. feel more like the way I talk. Yeah, I've noticed that. And, and it's great. And just be like, maybe this, maybe this, maybe this. And then um, you wrote a real, what's funny is you're, you're more conservative than, than I am in terms of like bodiness and things like that. Mm-hmm. But then you, over the years, you actually have some jokes in the shows that are more body than anything I've written. Like you wrote the, the, the joke, fuck monster from Thank God for Jokes. <laughs> I think. A fuck monster. Uh, okay. Your kids might not like that, but I'll take, um, it. I'll take your word for it. But it's it. like, well, it's yeah. like, it, it was a, it's a joke about, well, you always hated and thank God for jokes. You didn't hate, but you always like raised a flag on like, yeah. that I said like Janice is on heroin. <laughs> oh, right. Yes. <laughs> They're talking about the Muppets. Right. And I'm like, Janice is on heroin. She's like, pull, you know, like, it's like a heroin joke. And you were always like, you know, heroin's a real problem. Like, yeah. like I don't know if we should joke about it. It's very serious. Yeah. And then you're like, <laughs> then you're, you're, you're pitching like, I'm fuck monster. And I'm like, all right, what, what are, I don't understand the ethics of this. Double standards. I'm fuck monster. Yeah, that's funny. Do you, how do you navigate us being brothers and working together full time? Well. We're on the phone every day, or I should say five days a week. At a certain point, I don't know if you remember this, at a certain point you were like, you can't call me on the weekends, <laughs> which is a very odd thing because it was like, that's when I do my shows. Oh, right. I do my shows on the weekends. Well, I, res- like, by, I rescind by, that. By, 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 by virtue of my actual job, I, I literally work seven days a week. I mean, I, I very rarely don't work seven days right. a week. Right, right. And so at a certain point you were like, I have a family. Yes. I, like, do not call me on Saturday or Sunday. Well. Which is fair. I'm no, not saying it as a criticism. Well, I would want to rescind that for things that are creative. Right, right, maybe, right. Maybe, maybe uh, do other things. Kicking jokes around yeah, over the weekend. It's yeah, it's more yeah. of a weekend thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's funny because I, I, Gina, our sister, has asked me that at some point. Like, oh, if you weren't working with Mike, how would it be? And I'm like, I, Mike is always on and always in a work mode, so I don't know that things would even be different. I mean, you're very... Right. You know. Yeah, it could be true. Yeah. It could be true. But, I, you know, sometimes we've... Uh, I don't know if we've done it before. Where I'll call and say, "Let's, you know, let's talk." We're talking as brothers today, not as uh, let's not talk business. We should say that more often <laughs> <laughs> on this podcast. Is that yeah. which one's that? One um, of my funny stories is Mike. You never worked in like corporate or anything, or like, just as a temp. No, I know, but yeah. as far as like in a corporate setting with rules and no, boundaries no, and no, guidelines. And no. I remember early on, I had been working with Mike for you full time for for a few months, and I took a Thursday off. And Mike, and you said to me. You know, I took a Thursday off and you said, you know, if you're going to, it's great if you take a Thursday off, but when you do that, try to work on Saturday. That's really funny. <laughs> try to work on Saturday. I'm like, let me get you the Pfizer HR manual about uh, That's so funny. <laughs> try to work on Saturday. I, can't, I mean, of course I believe I said that, but that's a very... <laughs> and I'm, and I, so that's I, like I, when you tune out your brother, like, okay, I'm going to pretend he didn't say that. <laughs> try to work on Saturday. <laughs> Well, that's the thing that's like really hard to explain to people about show business is like it's the truth is, I mean, you don't want to admit that this is true, but it's like the people who work the hardest do the best. And like, and, and, and so like the modern conventional wisdom is like, you know, wellness and like <laughs> separation of work and life and yes. all these kind of like yeah. sort of happy, happy feet kind of things. And it's like the truth is like, mm. I'm looking around going, 
happy feet aren't winning the race. Yeah. And you know what's funny? Um, <laughs> if I could name drop for a moment, but I was talking with, what's funny is I was talking with Nathan Lane about this at yes, one point. I said, Mike, the first show, I said, Mike won't me. take a vacation. <laughs> and, he, and he goes, I won't take a vacation. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> it's like, you never told me that you're story. You're like a legend. You can take a vacation, man. Isn't that funny? That's a great story. <laughs> I, no, because I, honestly, like the people I know who are most successful as artists, they really, they don't take time off. I mean, it's one of those like unfortunate truisms of like, you know, there's definitely like a moment of, of culture right now where people are like zooming out about work yeah. and the idea of work and going like, is it worth it? Is it work <laughs> it, worth it to work 90 hours a week and blah, blah, blah. And people are really reconsidering it. They're going like, I'm giving my whole life to this yes. company or yeah. this show or this movie or whatever it is. Yeah. And it's like, whenever I look at that conversation, I'm always like, I know what you mean. I respect where you're coming from. I understand the idea of work-life balance, but... I'm I'm on the front lines and I'm seeing all the people around me who are doing well. I'm seeing the people who aren't doing well. The people who are doing well work fucking 90 hours. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. They like live it. They live inside. It was it was funny because I'm working on a screenplay right now and I've been working on it for like about four years. And someone said to me recently, they're like, well, why don't you work on it in August when you're doing eight shows a week at the Mark Tay Perform in Los Angeles? Because you're going to have the show in your bones and then the other parts of your day you can do it. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. When I'm doing eight shows a week, I can't do anything else. Like yeah. my whole, I'm living inside the show. That's right. Like yeah. I, my life is the old man in the pool. Right. And then when I go to a co- the coffee shop, it's like, it, literally, it's like, it's like stepping outside the show to grab coffee and then I'm back in the show. Yeah. Like I'm living it all day. Like yeah. it's not just like a 90 minute section yeah. of my day. Yeah. One of the challenges I have is because it is, it's like, figure out your Texas sales tax. Then Mike wants two pages of jokes about vampires. I know. Is, is when- <laughs> no, because I, no, I, I know it's, it's a wild thing. We file taxes. You're the business manager for the company. Yeah. We file taxes in like 30 states often. It's challenging. Or 20, or 20 states. Like I tour so many places. Yeah, it's challenging. And so I don't know if you ever find this, but often I'll find myself putting off the creative, like the vampires writing or, you know, something yeah. to this effect. Because it just seems like goofing off. Right. Do you ever, do you ever get that? Yeah. I, mean, I can't I, sit down and write jokes about uh, swimming and vampires. I have work to do. Okay, so as you know, as a producer on the show, this is called The Slow Round. Oh, boy. Um, what is your role in our family? Like, I think of myself as like the outlier in the family. I would yeah. agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think I almost have no role. <laughs> I don't, I, I feel like a, a bit of a hub because a lot of the a activity... Hub. Like, I get a lot of feedback <laughs> and static from my parents about you right. that I'm supposed to filter to right. you. They complain about me to you. Yeah. 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 And then, it's just so weird because I'm open to them calling me and complaining about me. I don't care. Right. Right. And then, you know, with our other siblings, they really have their acts together. So I don't know. If, right. I don't know. My, my, my role is, uh, yeah. Well, you're a little bit of Mr. Fix-It with, like, our parents, for example. I, I am, yeah. Yeah. Fixing their computers and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, what was you your middle child like? What What do you think you ended up being from that? What did you get from that? What I got having two older sisters is um, parents who were pretty well broken in. Oh, that's nice. You know, so you know, one of our sisters was more of a disciplinary issue, and I was super easy. Right. And so I was, you know. I don't know what to say. Uh, but you were also sort of a loon. Like, I remember when I was a kid, hmm. you, like, jumped off of, like, a huge piece of furniture. Like, I remember mom being, like, Joe, like, when he was a baby, yeah. like, jumped off the fridge or something. Yes, I Do you did. remember that? Yeah, I fell off a refrigerator. <laughs> cracked my head open. I was very hyper, I was very hyperactive, yes. But, I, yeah, I mellowed out and, you know, I don't know. 
Do you remember like w- like what would have dr- like drawn you to like standing on top of a refrigerator? That honestly, that I don't remember. What I do remember is, and um, one of my earliest memories is eating or pretending to eat uh, Grandma Berbiglia's, our father's uh, mother's heart medicine. Oh my gosh! And so when crazy. they found me with the heart medicine. I oh made a joke. Gosh. I made a joke that I had consumed it oh my and uh, was rushed to the hospital. Oh my gosh. And, yeah. And what's wild about that? Hey, it's first first joke, right? Good joke. Dingle Solid jokes. Well. Yeah. So jack, very jackass genre <laughs> Candy. joke. Candy. <laughs> but also what's wild about that is that was at uh, our grandmother's house and I cannot remember that grandmother at all. Even Really? Though, not not at all. And I never met her. And I was at her house when I did that incident. It's unusual. I mean, I must have been 3, 4. Right. And you were very cruel to me, okay. But when we were younger, not yeah. like when we became teenagers. I think so. Uh, like you were, some truth. Maybe. Like when you were like my joke or your joke that you always say yeah. is that when I was younger, I used to say to you, "Hey Joe, remember when we were five? Yes. And of course, we were never five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I was tough. I was tough on you as but, an older brother. But I, when you, I would, I would guess. Like I think you, it worked out pretty well. Worked out fine. <laughs> Just, worked out fine. Um, I just think you should work on Saturdays if you don't work on Thursday. <laughs> if you're gonna take a perfectly good Thursday off, Jesus <laughs> Christ! I love that I said that. I do not remember speaking. Away, that's my falling off the refrigerator. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> the uh, so no, but you were wild because you were like, well, I have a joke in the show where I go, yeah. you know, they'd say who's going to be the executor of your will, and I go, my brother Joe. When we were kids, he would punch and suffocate me. Until uh, I would cry to my mom, and when I was crying, uh, he would make jokes, and then he, I, I would start laughing and crying, and my mom would be so confused. And Joe would look at my mom. He looked at my mom with a straight face and said, <laughs> if "He's so hurt. Why is he laughing?" And my mom would be so confused, she'd declare a mistrial. And so that's why he shouldn't be the executor of my will. That's uh, that's in the show right now. I know. That's in the old man in the pool. How accurate's that story? That this is actually a good indicator for the audience of like talking to you because yes. you're firsthand in all these stories. And I think I get that question constantly. How real are those stories? Oh, I can remember that story like it was yesterday. Yes, yeah, I remember it really well too. Yeah. And in fact, I think one thing with that story is I threw water right like right in your face. Oh my god! Like, right in the presence of Jesus. my mother. Like, right through this big cup of water. It's oh like. And that like <laughs> exacerbated the crying slash laughing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wait, after you were like punching me and then I was crying and then you came over and you threw water in my face to make me laugh? I think so. Yeah, to mix it up. Oh my gosh. It's a diversion. Gosh. Yeah. Get, get over it. <laughs> I'm over it. I'm <laughs> over it. it. No, man. It made me tough. It made me the tough um, yeah. MMA guy who people know me <laughs> as today. <laughs> you, you're always talking about MMA. <laughs> um, do you remember an inauthentic version of yourself oh, in your man. life? Can you hit me with that one? It's like my favorite question. <sighs> I remember some inauthentic versions of yourself. Oh, snap. Yeah. You, can you spark my memory? Well, the Phil Collins phase. I love Phil Collins. Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's so funny you, you mentioned that. We have all these audio cassettes of Phil Collins and Genesis. Like yeah. I remember them so well. You oh my had, gosh. You were such a super fan. I was. That was my first concert. I will make no apologies for loving At the Genesis. Worcester Centrum. Yeah, I'll yeah. make no apologies to that. In fact, um, in December, Genesis made their final. They're on like their final tour, final wow. final. Like Phil Collins performed "Seated." Yeah, this kind of stuff. And in December, they were performing at the Boston Garden or the Fleet Center, whatever they call it now. And I thought, I looked at it and I was like, I'm gonna go to this concert. I'm gonna spend like $500 oh and buy like fifth row floor to like close this chapter of my life, last Genesis concert yeah. ever. And I, I mean, I didn't buy the ticket, but I thought about it. <laughs> but then, and I, even put, I put it on my calendar. I was like, maybe I'll go to, the, I'm like, I don't know anybody else who likes, who likes Genesis, so it would just be me. <laughs> And I got COVID. I got COVID that Oh, night. man. It wiped out the concert. I got December. I was a December COVID baby. you telling me you were going to pay $500 for one ticket to see a Just Genesis like the concert? best ticket, right? Just to oh have the experience. This is like, crazy. Like you're in the band. This is insane. Not like the $80 ticket like in the back. Oh, my gosh. Um, I, have your, I have your credit card. It's fine. I can't believe this. The, what's your best and worst nickname in your life? 
like people oh. calling you because they, they called you Joe Boo, I remember. Oh, yeah, that was f- all right. That was because of the movie MVP, which I don't know if our listeners will remember. Major League. Yeah, Major League. Major League. Yeah, Major League. And it was a baseball movie. Yeah. Where there was a Joe Boo character. Yeah, that and, was fun. And so people call you Joe Boo in high school. And then I, I think I was glad to leave that behind in high school. You let that you in know high how school. It goes, right. Joe Boo. Yeah. I used they used to I, I would be at your soccer games and wrestling matches and they would yell right. Joe Boo. You ever have those nicknames where like some people are using insultingly and some yes. people are using well, they're like they're them. your friends. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Yes. And you're just like, I don't know which one you were just doing. No, I know. You know. No, I get that. A sense of ear. <laughs> no, no, I know what you mean. Yeah. No, no, I think nicknames are like that. People, Burbigs. Burbigs, yeah. Burbigs, you know, you're like, eh, is it friendly? <laughs> but then you get people going, hey, Burbigs. You're like, oh, that's friendly. That's <laughs> nice. Tone. That's nice. You got to read for tone. Yeah. 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 When I was in college, I, um, I was on an orientation trip, like in the woods, and I convinced these 10 incoming freshmen that my, middle, my nickname was Motherfucker. <laughs> And so they call me motherfucker the entire trip. I don't, I don't know what's. I was you convinced them. I was that having that fun. Was your I was having fun. And, this is uh, such a ridiculous story. And so during college, those ten people would call me that around campus, and I don't know. It was great. By the way, please cut that out. No, no, keep that in. <laughs> I was actually literally just gonna. I was literally just gonna say, this is quintessential. Like our writer sessions. Like a mm. lot of times in our writer sessions, no. it's just like. I have this story when blah, blah, blah. That's and right. And that makes me think of the time where my nickname was yeah. this. And that makes me think of the time my nickname yeah. was this. And then we're like, oh, that could be a joke. Yeah. Like, I feel, don't you feel like a lot of our, like, writing yes. sessions are like, are like, I tell a story that makes me think of this, yes. you, you think of that. And then it's like, wait, wait, I think that might be the joke. And then a lot of times I'll go to the comedy right. teller and be like, okay, I tried out that line and that works. Yeah. So you know, I mean, you know this story. This is this no. is a story that like we haven't been able to make into a story, but I think it is a funny story. Which is, you're a good skier, and I'm I'm a so so skier. Yeah. And we were at I want to say Sundance, 2012. Yeah. And you were like, let's go skiing, and I'm I'm like, I don't think we should go skiing, but you really want to go. And then the joke is to me, skiing is brainstorming ways to die. Like, what if we got on the top of a really steep mountain? Oh, that's good. Uh, let's raise the stakes. Why don't we strap <laughs> four-foot-long razor blades to our feet? And then we can create barriers along the way so we'll be like a human pinball. <laughs> so I'm flying down the mountain. My ski gets stuck in one of the bumps, one of the moguls, and my body does not. So my body flies in the air like a, like a toddler on a bouncy castle. Uh, and I land on the ice, and then I'm just, I'm just skidding down the mountain with with my face as my skis because I'm I've lost my skis. I'm it's like a it's like a yard sale uh, ski rack. You know, I'm just just equally distributing mittens, hats, poles <laughs> like a yard sale. <clears throat> That's what they call it. That's a real turn of phrase. Yard sale skiing accident where it looks like I'm selling all of my ski equipment, which is what I should have been doing. I should have been like, this didn't work out for me. Maybe it'll work out for you. <laughs> but it's not the best look for a salesman. Just a man with a broken shoulder lying on the side of a mountain, face down, buried in a patch of bloody snow, being like, can I interest you in some equipment? I'll charge you whatever it costs to get me to the hospital. So I'm lying there and I hear someone laughing. I turn around and it's you, it's Joe. Uh-huh. And you're laughing, you're taking photos of me. And I go, Joe, I'm in pain. And you said, Mike, you're going to want these photos. And I've, I've never seen the photos. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if they exist. Well, photo management is very challenging. No, you're, you're absolutely right. That's a true story, though. You, you, you and Gina, our sister Gina, have the same thing, which is you're always like, you're going to want these photos. That's like a thing right? that you, you and Gina always say. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I, I uh, wrote you up a, a few beats on swimming. Oh yeah, please. It seems to be the um, theme well, of the well, show. It's a big, big a part bit. of the show. Yeah, it's a huge part. So I, I don't know. I sort of wrote it a little bit from my perspective, but sure, you know. Yeah. So I actually don't think I like swimming, but I do it three times a week. <laughs> Is there anything I like as little as swimming that I do with such regularity? Maybe flossing. Yes, good example. 
I swim because I hate the elliptical machine. I swim because if I don't, my wife and kids are going to get that, all that sweet insurance money. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that sweet insurance money. <laughs> um, swimming is really committing to taking a hell of a lot of showers and a real, commi- yeah. a real commitment to wetness. Yeah. You know, you get there, you shower before you go in the pool, you go in the pool, you get wet, you come out, you take a half-ass shower. Then that night yeah. you're like, I'm kind of gross. I got to I gotta take another shower. Yeah. It's really, it's out of control. What I take out of that, but the funniest observation I think yeah. is water to water to water. Oh, okay. I think that's such a funny thing about the pool, <laughs> which is like, you go, you take a shower. It's like, you must take a shower. <laughs> and then you go in the water. And then, and which you have to do also. And then come out and you're like, well, now I really have to shower. Yeah. And now I really need water on me. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, it's triple water. Yeah. Triple water. The laundry is out of control with the swimming. Yeah, the laundry is a debacle. The towels. And also, like the bathing suit machine, <laughs> the bathing suit drying machine in the locker room. It's like, yeah. What is happening in that thing? It's yeah. like you put you put the bathing suit in. You go. You push it down. You go. <laughs> Like what's happening? I literally don't understand the, the, what. There's so many machines. There's so many machines like that where you you don't witness what the machine's doing, and yeah. you go, "I'll just take their word for it on this yeah. one." It's not an engineering degree you got there. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but what do you what? what how would you describe what the what's the bathing machine doing? It spins, Mister Mister Confident Bathing Bathing Suit it. Man. Throw a salad in there. Throw your <laughs> throw your arugula in there. Same thing. That's what it does. It spins it. It just spins it. I don't exactly know how it spins it. You really took me down hard for I'm someone sorry. who doesn't actually know how the bathing seat <sighs> machine works. All right, this is the real dynamic, everybody. Moving on. <laughs> this is the real brother dynamic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like another a little bit of this magic? I love it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Swimming is like poor man's boating. When you swim, <laughs> I'm laughing at my own joke. Swimming is like the very poor man's boating. When you swim, you are the boat, and the motor to that boat is your arms and legs. So your boat, <laughs> so your boat doesn't have 250 horsepower, unless you <laughs> happen to be 250 horses. It has one man power or one one woman power. I feel like you'd build that out of like, it's like if you were a boat. It's like it's like. Um, it's like swimming is like boating um, on a broken boat. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> on a boat that doesn't work and has no motor. And it's sinking a all sink- the time. You're like in a sinking boat. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, I'm trying to think of like the worst boat. Like, like yeah. I feel like that's the, right. that's the turn. So Because I, I always think of jokes as like, the setup is the thing that's true. Yes. And the punchline is the thing that you're taking a left turn where it's like, right. uh, but it's like, the, the, the thing that's true is, Swimming is a little bit like boating. It's yeah. not the buoyancy and everything. Yeah. It's not yeah. that dissimilar. Yeah, you are the boat. It's a good observation. Thank you. And then I think the left turn is like, is like, what's what's the broken boat version of it? You're the boat. You're the boat. You're like, what's a shitty boat? There's no getting off this boat. I think it's. Uh, oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, no getting off this boat. I'm just trying to think of shitty boats. It's like, it's right? Like, you got barnacles and. There's no motor and right barnacle. <laughs> You've been in the garage all winter. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a slow swimmer, and I chalk it up to being a large person with small hands. <laughs> if I were a small person, <laughs> if I were a small person with large hands, I'm confident I'd be a much faster swimmer. That's funny. And if I were a medium-sized person with medium-sized hands, I would be faster than I am now, <laughs> but not as fast as I might be with very large hands and the very small body. No, I think there's something there. Yeah. I think that's very funny. If there were some kind of surgery to out, to elongate my fingers, that could really help my times. This is the this is the episode where people go, <laughs> I see why he's not the lead singer. <laughs> Put him back on the drums. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I have something that I think you'll think is funny. I've been working on this at the cellar a little bit this week, which is um, when... We we've had I've talked about this on the show before. Like our our building, our apartment building was like collapsing, like essentially because it was so old. So we had to move out, yeah. we, and we had mold and mildew. We had all these problems. We yeah. had to move out into an Airbnb, and then I go, which my joke is like, which by the way, 
No breakfast. Yeah. It's a dishonest acronym. Airbnb, no B. Yeah. Um, Airbnb and the owner lives in the basement. <laughs> but I go, this is the thing I've been trying out this week. Yeah. I go, I go, there was the biggest problem with the Airbnb, uh, no thermostat. Airbnb, no tea. <laughs> and so it's, yeah. and, and I, 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 I tell the audience, I go, I'm not making this up. Yeah. I go, Airbnb, no tea. Yeah. I go, New Yorkers, and I go, maybe I'm wrong. I go, New Yorkers have no standards for our housing. <laughs> We're just like, there's no thermostat? Okay. It's zero degrees? Okay. It's 100 degrees? Okay. Right. There's rats? Okay. There's cockroaches in the rats? Okay. There's holes in the building? Okay. Like, I love New York City. It's the greatest city in the world. We're so lucky to live here. We're so much better than other people. It's like, I'm starting to be like, are we? Is this yeah. better? What yeah. are we doing? Yeah. But I thought you'd appreciate that because you always make fun of me for living in New York despite the fact that it's so absurd here. It is absurd. Even driving here with my son, he's looking at the GPS and it's like, Dad, it says it's 0.5 miles away. <laughs> and, I know where this is going. And 13 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> how, how is that possible? I was like, oh. No, I know. Trust it. No, no, it's it's extraordinary. And, and so then, um, so the ending of the story is, yeah. it's 90 degrees in yeah. the apartment. It's two in the morning. Yeah. In the Airbnb with no thermostat. My family's almost dead. They're yeah. on the cusp of being yeah. alive. Yeah. I begin to be concerned. Yeah. I call my landlord in the middle of the night, wow. two in the morning. Hey, I'm still friendly. <laughs> Sorry I'm to bother still, you. I, yeah. I'm still like, <laughs> we love it here. Like, I'm like in my business voice, like, we love it here. It's great. You know, it's like work. It's totally working out. Yeah. We'd love to stay. There's a, is there a thermostat? Because I was. It would be if there isn't. It's fine. I'd love because we love it. We're totally. My family's almost dead. It's fine. Uh, if there is a thermostat, we'd love to know where it is. He goes. Um, there's a communal thermostat in the lobby of the building. I was like, I love communal thermostats. <laughs> I supported Bernie Sanders. I totally get it. Universal thermostats. <laughs> so go out to the lobby, communal lobby, the communal thermostat, yeah. the communal lobby. It is uh, it is a padlocked right. behind a plexiglass. Yeah. Uh, in, in, in encasement. Um, I do not have the lock, <laughs> the, 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 the key to that lock. Yeah. And... So what do I do? I Hulk smash the window and I say to the audience, I go, I may not look like much, <laughs> but when my family is half dead in 90, in 90 degree apartment, right. I turn into thermostat man, a superhero. But for me as an audience member listening to that, I'm a little confused though, because wouldn't he have mentioned you don't have access to it on that call? <sighs> you know, the truth is he didn't, didn't mention it. He didn't it. mention it. No, because I mean, I don't want to go into it, but it's like, He's, you know, he's someone who probably got into this real estate game and and wanted to be minimally involved. Okay. Um, and so he didn't mention it and whatever. Yeah. And so I couldn't believe it when I went out and there's a yeah. lock on the thing. Right. I couldn't believe right. it. Maybe I should mention that. Maybe yeah. I should go into the details of that. Because it's also like, I, I did Hulk smash it. Yeah. I, I Hulk smash it. Yeah. I got in. Oh, the joke is uh, I set it to zero <laughs> and I saved my family's life. Um this is a joke. It's, oh, because it was too. You it was too hot. It, it was hundred. It was ninety. Yeah. I wanted it off basically. Yeah, Isn't that um, crazy. But I Hulk smashed it, and then uh, <laughs> yeah, no, there, the, no, that that's a true story. And I mean, sometimes when I tell the, the story, people are like, "Was your was your hand bloody?" And I'm right. like, "No, no, it wasn't. Yeah. It was yeah. it was like it's plastic." Yeah, you know. So it's like I Hulk smashed it. You know, shoved it aside. It's interesting how audiences are curious about the finer points and the details, semantics. And, and well, you don't want that to derail an audience. No, I mean, you and I talk about this all the time. It's like you want it to be absurd enough that it's funny yeah. and real enough that people don't go, no, that didn't happen. That's right, yeah. And th th I mean, that's, that's in terms of, you know, you and me and Seth and Peter, you know, we constantly calibrating, like, what is what is real enough that, yeah. that people are along for the ride? That's right. Yeah. And what is fun enough? Yeah. <laughs> silly enough that it's fun. All right. So the final thing we do on the show is called yes. working it out for a cause, as you know. Uh, uh, we contribute 
to the, to the organization that you think is doing a good job, we link to them in the show notes. And who, who would you like to give to? Oh, I am uh, always a big supporter of the Rhode Island Food Bank. That's great. Yeah. Which it, is, we've uh, given to them before. Yeah, keeping it local up in the Ocean State. In the Ocean State. We're going to give uh, to the Rhode Island Food Bank, and we're going to link to them in the show notes. Joe Birbiglia, thanks for being a guest on Working It Out, a show that you produce, and you have, will have a final cut on and take out all the parts you don't like. Oh, boy. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Mike. It's been a pleasure. And, um, yeah. Working it out, cause it's not done. Working it out, cause there's no one. That's gonna do it for another episode of Working It Out. That is Joe Berbiglia, Joseph Berbiglia on Instagram. He is Jay Berbiglia. And on Twitter, he is at Joe Berbigs. The next time you watch one of my specials or one of my movies, just know that Joseph Berbiglia is behind the scenes. Working his magic, letting his brain go for a walk. Uh, I appreciate Joe so much. He's one of the producers of this podcast, along with Peter Salomon and myself. Consulting producer Seth Barish. Sound mix by Shub Surun. Supervising engineer Kate Belinsky. Sound and video recording by Chuck Staten with help from Gary Simons. Associate producer Mabel Lewis. As always, a special thanks to my consigliere, Mike Berkowitz, as well as Marissa Hurwitz and Josh Fall. As always, a special thanks to Jack Antonoff and Bleachers for their music. As always, a special thanks to my wife, the poet, Jay Hope Stein. As always, a special thanks to our daughter, Una, who created the original Radio 4 made of pillows. Thanks most of all to you who have listened. Tell your friends, tell your enemies. And look, I, I know that. I know we, uh, we don't want to have enemies. But every now and then we find ourselves in a situation where we're at the grocery store, we reach for for uh, for for some some bananas or some tangerines, and, and and someone else touches those tangerines right at right at that same moment, and you lock eyes and you go, well, I'm gonna give up these tangerines, but 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 maybe I'll just mention one thing. You know, there's this podcast I really enjoy where the two comedians or creative types sort of kick around jokes and ideas, and I think you'd really like it. It's called Working It Out. We're working it out, everybody. We'll see you next time.